Merry Christmas. Hello, nerds and nerdettes. Junior ambassadors, boys and girls of all ages. We're nerds, and uh, we're pretty proud of it. You're entering the Nerd Knighted Nations podcast. Never apologize for being All things geek are up for grabs. Because unnerdy people never apologize for being assholes. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. Christmas nerds and nerdettes, junior ambassadors of all ages, and welcome to the beginning of our Christmas edition of the Nerd United Nations podcast. I'm your jolly ambassador to the Midwest United States, Jared Boots, and with me as always is my ambassador to the great white north of Canada, where it's so cold and snowy, it's probably Christmas 24-7 up there, Miss Melissa Nicholson. Melissa, how you doing? <laughs> well, I'm freezing because, you know, it's really cold up here. Uh, <laughs> and we just had Christmas, so, you know, <laughs> but seriously, though, I'm doing okay. That's awesome. And, uh, are you ready to make your own Christmas movie tonight? Yeah, this has been a, this was a, a challenging assignment, but once I figured out what movie I wanted to do and then my idea, it was like super easy and it was fun. So. Well. Well, speaking of cold weather, I think we have a very special guest with us tonight. Oh, do we? Well, all the way from Orlando, Florida, I'm sure it's a chilly 65 degrees right now. Uh, please welcome back to the show, Michael Lyons. Michael, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back once again for Christmas. I think uh, my last last time I stopped by was almost, if not a year ago today, around a year ago today, where we talked about Scrooged with Bill Murray. It was. Pretty close. Yeah. Pretty damn close. Yeah, yeah. So, and and it's actually a little bit colder down here. I think it was 59 this morning. It dipped into the 50s. So everybody's losing their mind down here. They're trying to find their jackets and trying to stay in if they can, and saying it feels so much like Christmas. So, uh, yeah. So everybody's looking ahead to that seven-day forecast now that we've had a day of it. Saying, all right, enough. When does it warm up? <laughs> <laughs> see, up, see up here in Iowa, we drive around with the windows rolled down, 59 degrees. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm originally from New York, and 59 degrees was like picnic weather, you know. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, ne- next time we have you on, we'll definitely won't be Christmas, so we'll have you on more often. Cool. Well, I love coming back anytime. So, are you excited to make your own Christmas movie? I am. Yeah, I actually. Um, I I have a few a few that I think won't be a surprise, um, and then I have two that I think nobody but probably me has ever heard of. But I'm interested to talk about those. Awesome. So I think without further ado, I think we get we get a rolling. So Michael, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Well, I think for me, my the the first movie I thought of, and and we were having a kind of a group chat about this. Um, was one actually, Jared, that you mentioned, and that is Gremlins from 1984. And the reason I immediately thought of that one was um, I remember seeing that 
in the movie theater, summer of 1984. And I had a very similar reaction uh, to what um, Andy had when he saw Hocus Pocus. So Andy was talking about Hocus Pocus on the uh, Disorder episode we did in October. And he said he remembered going to see that movie uh, summer of 93. And when he saw the scenes with the kids trick-or-treating, he said to himself, oh man, I can't wait to watch this movie around Halloween. And I remember seeing Gremlins in the theater and having a similar thought, like when those credits came up, you know, they actually timed the credits to Darlene Love singing Christmas, baby, please come home. And, you know, the the small town covered in snow and decorated for Christmas. Um, I remember thinking, this would be a fun movie to watch around Christmas time. Um, and I think it was the following year after that, in 85, that Warner Brothers brought Gremlins out on VHS around Christmas. Um, and at the time, I was working in a mom and pop video store. And there's nothing more stereotypical than a 19 year old in 1985 working in a mom and pop video store. So I realized that. Um, but I remember we would get all of the the posters and the stand, the cardboard standups and everything to promote the movie. And Warner Brothers sent these flat cardboard Christmas ornaments that had holes in the top and you had to put like gold string through them. And, you know, you could hang them on the tree and they were from Gremlins. Um, and one side was a picture of one of the characters and the other side was um, it said Gremlins, you know, uh, now available on Warner Home Video. And. One of them was Gizmo in a stocking, a Christmas stocking, and the other one was Stripe, the bad uh, gremlin, uh, wearing a, like a, a Dickens hat with a little sprig of holly in it. And I think he was holding a candy cane. And we actually, my job one day was to put those ornaments together and decorate the tree in the video store. And so when we took the tree down, I, of course, took one of the ornaments and I still have it hanging <laughs> on my tree. It's It's not... It's not the prettiest ornament, so it usually hangs in the back, but uh, it's still in it's still in decent shape. So because of those two things, Gremlins became a, a Christmas movie for me. Plus, I think there's so much Christmas um, in it from, you know, the music that they use, uh, even the way they use it almost in a horror movie where the mother's uh, home, where the, the, you know, the stripe and the other uh, bad Gremlins are in the house and. Uh, they put on Do You Hear What I Hear um, as as they're somewhere in the house. And, um, of course, Phoebe Cates, I forget her character's name, but her absolutely tragic story about her father um, mm -hmm. playing Santa Claus. Um, I think there's I, I just think there's so much there where, yeah, it's it's a movie that is set at Christmas. But I think watching it around Christmas gives you like additional appreciation for it. And it's funny, I want to say it was somewhere in the late 80s. Someone wrote an article where they said that the movie was actually a statement on what people turn into at Christmas time, what some people turn into at Christmas time, how they get so wrapped up in the the kind of commercialism of the season that they turn into the gremlins like Stripe and the other gremlins. So uh, for me, uh, because of all that history and just because of the the setting and the backdrop and the way that they they keep calling back to Christmas in the movie. Uh, Gremlins is my my first choice for um, make it a Christmas movie. Well, you're coming out of the gate hot today. <laughs> <laughs> I actually uh, was on 
our friend Lisa Sanchello's podcast last year. I love that movie talking about this one for Christmas time. I, I, I love I watch this every Christmas. And I want to say Phoebe Cates' character's name is Kate. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah. And uh, and you, it's funny you bring up the scene with uh, them playing Do You Hear What I Hear? Because every time I hear that song, even on our 24-7 Christmas loop up here, <laughs> I instantly think of that scene from Gremlins every time I hear that rendition of Do You Hear What I Hear? <laughs> it's true. I mean, it, it gives that song kind of a, a different meaning. Perfect. Uh, and Melissa, any thoughts on Gremlins? Oh, it's a great choice for sure, and it's, uh, you know, definitely a definitely a Christmas movie. Um, you know, it's definitely one that, you know, I, I mean, for me, I can watch it like any time, but I definitely now like I watch it around Christmas time because it just ha- it's definitely Christmas, and it's it's such a fun film too. So, yeah, a great choice. <laughs> yeah, so my- it's, it's it's funny because. When I think about it in some ways, I think about it as this like summer blockbuster movie because it came out like summer of 1984, same summer as Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Ghostbusters. And if you watch it around summertime, it feels like that 80 summer blockbuster. But then when you put it on at Christmas, it kind of takes on a, a different feeling. <laughs> it takes on that Christmas movie feeling. So sorry, Jared, you were going to ask me something. I say, uh, I think it came out the same day as Ghostbusters. So were you the one guy that went and saw Gremlins instead of Ghostbusters in uh, yes. <laughs> June of, June of eighty <laughs> four? I did. I, th- I think it was opening day or opening night that I saw Gremlins too. I'd, I'd like to go back in time and see that because I this was came out like just because I was born in December of eighty four, so it came out just six months before I was born. But uh, I can't say I'm with Andy though. I did see uh hocus pocus in summer of 93 in my hometown theater though and were you saying to yourself I- i'm gonna watch this around halloween uh maybe 25 years later <laughs> like the rest of my gen- <laughs> the rest of my generation <laughs> well, like i i come off as being very hipster like i liked hocus pocus before it was cool you know <laughs> that's right yeah you appreciated it back in 93 in the summer in july yeah, that was that was eight when that came out. So yeah, I was in the right demographic to really love yeah, it. So yeah, but uh, I would have loved to go back and like was, Melissa and I are talking about for many episodes sometime of like films we'd love to go back in time and see in theaters for the first time. I think I'd have to add this to the list because mm-hmm. we met, I said films like when we talked Harry Potter last time. I'd like to go back in time to a theater full of Muggles that haven't read the books. And see their reaction when Snape kills Dumbledore. It's like I'd like to go back and see oh, the reveal. Yeah. Of, I'd like yeah. to see the reveal of Vader's fa- of Vader being Luke's father. Yeah, yeah. Or Jaws popping out of the water. This would be like a movie I'd love to go back and see in the theater. Be Gremlins. I want to say it pops up every now and then at like neighborhood theaters around Christmas. Like we have a local theater in our town that does. Um, they do like interactive movies, so like it'll be either be a sing along or. You know, like they have some food that goes along with it or, um, you know, they, they give you like props or something it, like kind of like a Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I want to say it was a couple of years ago for the anniversary of Gremlins uh, that they did kind of an interactive movie around around Christmas time uh, for Gremlins. And it's it's an old it's an old like refurbished uh, movie house. So uh, that would be a, that'd be definitely a good way to to see it. 
That'd be cool. Uh, hopefully, if they sing along, hopefully they have you sing along to "Hi Ho" from that Snow White. That would be great. Or at the beginning, they give you like bells to sing along to "Baby, Please Come Home." There you I'll go. That's a good one. That's a yeah. <laughs> that's another song I think of too when I hear that song too. I think of Gremlins when I hear that song. That when that rendition of the song comes on, I think of oh, Gremlins also. Totally. Yeah. So you said you had a couple more films picked out, so why don't you go ahead and lay them on us? Oh, yeah. So uh, I'll go through my list here. So um, I go, like, pretty recent, and then I go, like, really old. So my next one, uh, also from the 80s, from 1987, is Lethal Weapon. Um, I mean, the the film opens with Jingle Bell Rock uh, playing over the, the credits. Um, we then, of course, go into a suicide uh, so that kind of takes a bit of the Christmas uh, feeling out of it. But um, this is a movie that I think um, a little bit like Gremlins, like you can watch Lethal Weapon any time of the year. But I think when you watch it around Christmas time, because of the the Christmas backdrop of it, you know, the the scene at the beginning where Mel Gibson as uh, as Riggs kind of takes he's he's undercover and he takes on those three guys. It's in a Christmas tree lot. Um, when he when he goes up to the roof with the jumper, like everything's decorated for Christmas. And um, even at the the end of the movie, um, you know, he he gives the bullet that, you know, sadly he was going to use at the beginning of the movie to take his life because he was so suicidal. He gives that to uh, Danny Glover uh, as a Christmas present with a little bow on it. And then as he and his dog come inside, you hear the dog fighting with the cat and you hear I'll be home for Christmas playing over the the ending credits. So, um, you know, I think it has, that gives it kind of that, um, that nice, almost like a similar theme to believe it or not, planes, trains, and automobiles, and that you never know the impact that somebody else, a complete stranger who comes into your life is going to have on your life and how they can change your life. And those two characters definitely change each other's lives for the better, um, in that movie. And I think that's a nice, very holiday theme, um, and I think it's very fitting that it was it was uh, set at Christmas, plus written by Shane Black, who seems to just love setting every single one of his movies uh, at Christmas. So I love that that's kind of a recurring uh, theme of his, too. So the next one on my list was uh, Lethal Weapon. That's another good one, too. And I never thought about the comparison to Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So definitely make Mel Gibson the John Candy, though, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because Danny Glover just wants to be left alone. And, you know, Mel Gibson's kind of like, I knew I knew you. I knew I knew you from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and Neil, Neil Page, much like Murtaugh, is just getting too old for this shit. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't watched any of the Lethal Weapon films in a long time. I know that one gets brought up a lot too, especially when it, it gets brought up in the same conversation as Die Hard. Is that uh, people need to start considering uh, consider Lethal Weapon to be the? Is this the one with uh, Nick Nolte kills somebody with an icicle too? Doesn't he? Uh, is that, or is that two? I'm trying to think. That might be. Oh, Gary Busey's in this one. Does he? Kill oh, yeah, Gary. I get I get those two mixed up all the time. Gary yeah, Busey. Oh, and Nolte. I can I see that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just as bad with uh, oh, Harvey. Uh, I can't think of their name. I can't think of Harvey Keitel. Yeah, not Harvey Keitel, but I'm always with uh. uh skip me. Let's go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you like me to uh, share my movie then? Uh, no, my, my uh, just thoughts on uh, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, it's. I think it's. It could definitely be a, a Christmas film. I know it's. It's not. Um, it, it's definitely not the most positive, like opening to like to have sort of set around Christmas. But I think it still fits to to be a Christmas film anyway. Because I mean, there's beyond that, there is more of the you know sort of the Christmas elements and things like that within you know within the film. So. Um, you know, so I think it, it definitely works to be a Christmas film. Um, I don't think I've actually watched it around Christmas, but I think I should start. <laughs> I want to say for the longest time, it was either TBS or TNT used to show it around Christmas time. Um, and they would, you know, the ads would focus on all of those Christmas like scenes uh, or, you know, if they were saying Merry Christmas or something and, you know, they would say celebrate the season with the uh, lethal weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Harvey Corman was the name I was thinking of. I've always confused Harvey, Harvey Corman with Dabney Coleman all the time. <laughs> oh, I can definitely see that. I never thought of it, but I could totally see that. <laughs> yeah, so those two, Nick Nolte and Gary Busey, mix them up all the time. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Harvey Keitel and Robert De Niro, because I've heard that every once in a while, too. I definitely see a lot more films with De Niro. Yeah. Lisa <laughs> yeah, Open's a good choice. I thought I had that to my rotation, especially now with the passing of Dick Donner earlier this year, too. Yeah, that's right. It's a fitting year to watch it around Christmas, for sure. What else you got, Michael? All right, so bear with me now, because now we get into to black and white movies. So I apologize to everybody for this. But um, <laughs> my my next movie is from 1951, starring Bob Hope, comedian Bob Hope, and it's a movie called The Lemon Drop Kid. Um, so I'll I'll explain it. Um, Bob Hope in the movie plays he's he's kind of a a con man, um, and uh, he's down in Florida at the racetrack. And he winds up conning this this mobster out of all of this money and he has to pay the mobster back. He bets the money on a horse and loses it. And he has to pay the mobster back. And the mobster says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you until Christmas Day to get the money back to me. So uh, Bob Hope is the lemon drop kid. That's his nickname because he, all of the characters in the movie have nicknames. They were based on um, characters written by an author named Damon Runyon, who wrote these very colorful stories about like, you know, con men and, um, you know, like these, these hustlers in, in New York, his, his work was actually made into the, the Broadway musical guys and dolls. Uh, but, uh, lemon drop kid was another one of his stories. And anyway, the lemon drop kid, Bob Hope goes back to New York. Um, and he's trying to think of how to raise the money and he walks past a sidewalk Santa. And he also realizes that, some of these like uh, little old ladies that they that they know who are like the moms and the wives of some of these tough guys he hangs out with, um, they they need they need a place to stay. So he talks all of his buddies who are all these like tough con men with like the the beards and the cigars hanging out of their mouth, like very 1950s you know tough guys, the fedoras. He talks them all into being sidewalk Santas to raise money for this home for all of these little old ladies uh, that they know. 
Um, and, um, you know, he and all of his uh, friends, uh, you know, stand on the street corners of New York trying to raise this money. Well, as the story goes on, of course, uh, the, the kid gets found out that he's actually trying to raise the money for himself to give to the mobster. He feels bad about that. He wants to give the money to the to the old lady's home. And um, I won't spoil how it comes out, but the lemon drop kid does not get killed by Christmas by the mobster. I'll, I'll tell you that. So just so just so you know, they wouldn't do that to Bob Hope, you know. Uh, but the interesting thing about this movie is it was my dad who introduced it to me because it used to not be shown at Christmas time up in New York, and it would be shown at like three in the morning, um, and we'd have to set the VCR to tape it. But it really is set at Christmas because there's a lot like it's it's obviously sets that are supposed to be New York, but it's all these tough guys dressed up as Santa. And Bob Hope has a lot of fun with you know lining them up and saying, "All right, let me hear your ho ho hos. Let's practice before we get out there." Um, and the movie was also somewhat of a musical. It has some musical numbers in it. And one of the songs that was written for the movie was Silver Bells, which is now a Christmas standard. Um, but it was sung in one scene by Bob Hope and um, uh, the the lead uh, in the movie, um, who was um, Anne Sheridan. Um, they walk through the streets of New York when it's snowing and they sing Silver Bells and from this movie, Silver Bells kind of became Bob Hope's signature Christmas song, like Bing Crosby had White Christmas that he would sing on all of his TV specials and his record albums. Bob Hope had Silver Bells. So I always thought that's an interesting piece of trivia. Like next time you hear the song Silver Bells on the 24 hour radio station, you can say, hey, you know what? That was written for a 1951 film called The Lemon Drop Kids starring Bob Hope. So for me, going all the way back, casting my line all the way back to 1951 uh, for my next one, it's The Lemon Drop Kid. I can't say I've ever heard of that film, but now I'm going to use that little bit of information that you just taught me about Silver Bells. And <laughs> nobody's probably going to care. Like, Jared, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it, it's, it's a fun movie, um, very of its time. You know, the humor, very of its time. Some of it not really politically correct at times. So I do have to uh, send that out there. Like when he's lining up the Santas and they all have different accents and they're from different neighborhoods. You know, Bob Hope makes a few jokes that in today's world, you're like, whoa, hold on a second. OK, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a fun movie to watch around Christmas because so much of it is set at Christmas time. Yeah, I definitely, I had, it's not a movie that I've ever um, heard of, but it definitely sounds like a fun film to watch. Yeah, it became part of my Christmas rotation. I remember like years ago, I found it on DVD. I think the DVD company was like, oh, you're the one guy who's buying this. Thank you. Um, <laughs> because up until then, I think I still had like my old VHS uh, tape of it from Channel Five up in New York, taped at three in the morning because it's a it's a tough one to find. Hmm. Threw in a copy of It's a Wonderful Life with it. Here you go. See that? That's right. Yeah, it's free with every copy of any movie you buy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't want this. Oh no, we insist. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Well, I mean, it reminds me I went to the, why not? <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the last time I went to the comic shop. I went to go pick up my pull list, and they gave me a copy of King's Spawn. I'm like, I didn't order this. Oh, we gave it away. We had a bunch of extras. <laughs> okay. <laughs> King Spawn is the lemon drop kid of the, of the comic book. <laughs> was, there was a joke in, of all movies, Smokey and the Bandit Part 2, where apparently Burt Reynolds as the bandit has become famous. And he says, yeah, I recorded a, a song. Um, they were giving the record away at Walmart for anything you bought over 35 cents. <laughs> <laughs> that's right up Melissa's alley. She's our resident Smoking the Bandit fan. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yes. Oh, that because we were we talked about we needed to do an episode where we talked about all three movies. Mm. Like the whole universe, the whole Smoking the Bandit universe. Yeah. I do. I actually do own because it was a uh, like a DVD set where you get all the all the series of films. But I've only ever seen just the first one like a million and one times over. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to actually watch the other ones too. <laughs> the second one, um, okay. The third one, um, a bit of a train wreck, but still fun to watch from a Smokey and the Bandit perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard they're 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 not really the greatest of films, but still just, you know, kind of a you know, almost to turn your brain off and just watch for, for entertainment and what it is, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And not to go off on a strange tangent, but Smoking the Bandit Three, they actually filmed it. It was originally gonna be called Smokey is the Bandit with <laughs> Jackie Gleason, like, taking on the role of, like, you know, being the outlaw in that <laughs> one. And they screened it for audiences, and it didn't work. So they went back and cut in Jerry Reed uh, as the bandit. And, like, when you watch it, the scenes totally don't line up because they inserted these scenes into the movie to try and, and make it make sense. So yeah. just from, like, a strange curiosity, it's it's an interesting one to watch. I wouldn't make it a Christmas movie, but it's an interesting one to watch. <laughs> you sit down, do a little homework, anything can become a Christmas movie. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so was was Bob Hope kind of a staple in Christmas films back in the day, wasn't he? Didn't, didn't do some other ones? Uh, he didn't do, I don't know if he did many more Christmas films. Uh, Bing Crosby did holiday inn and white christmas so he's very connected to christmas movies but bob hope did um god for years in the 60s 70s 80s maybe even the early 90s he did an annual television special for christmas on nbc where he would kind of bring in whoever the the latest singer or comedian was and it would be like a variety show so i think that's how he's become connected with Christmas. And then of course, at the end of his show each year, he would sing silver bells. I'm going to find me a good looking girl and I'm going to play one of those for you. Like, Hey, you know what? The song was written for a Bob Hope movie. (laughs) 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 Why did I come over here? (laughs) Oh, you never know. Response might be, I love Bob Hope. And there you go. A lot of Bob Hope information. Yeah. <laughs> I'll either be texting Michael or looking up on Wikipedia. I need more stuff about Bob Hope. 
a lot of Bob Hope information, something your listeners are saying right now, like, hey, this wasn't what I expected. A lot of Bob Hope tonight. <laughs> well, I think we lost a lot. I think we lost a lot of our millennial demographic after he said black and white movie. <laughs> I, I think so. I think everyone's hitting the, the arrow with the 15 seconds forward right now. <laughs> and the any listener under 20 just <laughs> right. turned out after black and white movie. <laughs> Yeah, black and white, no, let's skip over that. <laughs> if it's not a color movie, then I'm not watching it. <laughs> well, but that's kind of weird if it is. That is what happens because our Dracula and Frankenstein episode got, that's like one of our top episodes, and that's all black and white. So. Isn't that funny? Wow. Yeah. So you said you had a couple more? So I got two more, uh, bl- both black and white. Um, I tried to get five altogether here. Um, this one is really strange. Um, discovered it through uh, my my cousin who introduced it to me maybe 10, 15 years ago. Um, it's a movie called Beyond Tomorrow. And this one is from 1940, black and white. Um, it's got the strangest story, but watching it is is just very compelling because it's it's um it's actually kind of a science fiction fantasy film uh it's about three older gentlemen who are all uh millionaires uh living in new york and they have nobody to spend christmas eve with they're all sitting at home in their mansion nothing to do they decide to conduct an experiment where they take their wallets and throw them out the window onto the street and see if anyone will be honest enough to pick up the wallet, look at the ID, and come and bring it back. So all three of them throw the wallets out. Um, only two of them come back, um, but they're brought back by uh, a young uh, a young man and young woman who don't uh, don't know each other. But uh, the the gentlemen invite them in for Christmas Eve. They stay for Christmas Eve dinner, and they actually become very um, friendly with the, the the gentleman and both of them are both trying to start careers and whatnot and, and the millionaires try to to help them so there's a bond and a connection that happens and this is going to be a spoiler but I think I can let it out there because I don't know how many people are actually going to go and find Beyond Tomorrow um, but the, the three millionaires then uh, unfortunately perish in a plane crash and their ghosts wind up watching over the couple um, and and kind of guiding the couple because the the couple winds up going down um, not the best path and they uh, diverge from one another and the the kind of spirits of the three gentlemen bring them uh, back together so it was just the most offbeat uh, story especially for something from 1940 uh, that I had ever seen it was definitely a B movie like I, I read up on it and it was it was actually made. Um, using sets from other movies, and it was made to be the the second movie of a double feature. Um, but the opening scenes are very, very Christmassy, Christmas Eve. I love the opening shot is like a model of New York City with fake snow coming down. And to me, it's just such old school Hollywood uh, Christmas special effects um, that uh, it's one that, you know, once my cousin showed it to me. I'm like, wow, this is weird and somewhat uh, off the rails, but uh, I'm I'm completely into it. And it, it actually, 
it wound up being released a lot of times. If you ever see those DVDs that were out there where they'd say like, you know, 50 Christmas movies for only $5. And they were all these public domain Christmas movies and cartoons. Beyond Tomorrow is always on that. So it's definitely accessible. It's probably on YouTube. Uh, if I didn't spoil it too much for you and you want to watch it, um, uh, it's called Beyond Tomorrow. If you want to dare, make it a Christmas movie. I'll give it a run for its money. I yeah. just, just be forewarned. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, when you first start off, it started to remind me of uh, kind of like a minor plot point in uh, John Landis's Trading Places, where one of the uh, Duke brothers leaves his wallet behind for Eddie Murphy, see if Eddie Murphy will give it back to oh, him yeah. and steal it. Yeah, yeah, very similar. So I could see probably a lot of films take probably could take inspiration from this kind of stuff because you it almost starts off almost starts off like it's going to be like a form of a. Uh, a Christmas Carol, almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the 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 um the the three older gentlemen, they're interest interesting. You know, one of them is very upbeat, very positive. One of them is very practical. One of them is more like the Scrooge uh, type character. Um, and I think it's just kind of an interesting like statement that they make about like honesty and the the two characters that that come to them with the wallets and they wind up helping them in their career and you know, how one of them stays who they are and the other one doesn't. And, you know, I think the movie was also trying to say a little bit of something about, like, even those who aren't with us anymore still help us mm-hmm. and guide us. So all in all, I think it's uh, it's an interesting watch. I'll I'll take the I'll take the challenge on that one. I'll give it a watch. All right. I'm interested to hear. I spend a lot of time on YouTube anyway, so it'd be a nice change of pace. There you go. I think it's and I want to say it's only a little over like an hour long. It's like an hour and 10 minutes. So it's a from a time perspective, it's it's not really a big investment. I watched uh, Nosferatu on YouTube not that long ago. And that's what 1922. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Melissa, any thoughts on Beyond Tomorrow? Definitely. It it sounds like a really interesting film, like the different. like exploring interesting topics and just, you know, exploring, you know, sort of looking at humanity from different perspectives kind of thing. So it, it sounds really neat. Um, I definitely, I'm going to see if I can find it and give it a watch because I think that sounds pretty neat. It, it's interesting because I'm surprised it's never in some form been remade because it's not really well known. Um, and the story is out there in the public domain, so they probably wouldn't even have to pay rights to anybody. Um, and it seems like something that, you know, at least now with all these streaming services, it could be, it could definitely, you know, it'd be ripe for the pickings. Mm-hmm. So on tomorrow, now what's the uh, last one you have for us? So the last one um, is a movie that actually I just discovered last year, um, also from 1940, also in black and white. So again, I apologize. You'll you'll get your listeners back after I'm done. Um, <laughs> it's called Remember the Night. Uh, and it stars uh, Fred McMurray, who's probably most well-known as uh, the absent-minded professor in the original Disney movies, and an actress named Barbara Stanwyck. And it opens just before Christmas, and Barbara Stanwyck, um, she's she's actually somewhat desperate in her life, and she winds up shoplifting something from a department store, and she gets arrested, and she has to go to court. Um, and uh, Fred McMurray is the district attorney who is trying her 
in, in court and um, they have to, you know, uh, what is it? They have to recess uh, for the Christmas break um, and uh, she has nowhere to go and she's going to go to jail and, and, and whatnot. And he agrees. And again, once again, only in the movies and only in 1940, he agrees to watch over her uh, to make sure that she doesn't flee or doesn't go anywhere. Um, so he actually takes her home with him to uh, to his his parents' home in um, I f- I'm trying to think of what city it takes place in, but it's somewhere in like the very rural area outside of the the city. And um, he's got a very like innocent family, uh, Fred McMurray, and she's had a very rough life, um, and she winds up becoming very attached to this family. And there's some really sweet scenes in the movie of like Christmas Eve with the family where they're all sitting around singing and you can see her looking as if to say like, she's never had this. Cause they, they discuss a little bit of her backstory, how her mother doesn't even talk to her anymore. Um, and of course a romance begins uh, between the district attorney and the shoplifter, Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck. And then they have to come back after Christmas, right after um, New Year's to have the trial. And he's conflicted about, um, you know, having to kind of cross-examine her uh, and whatnot. So just the the movie was really well-made and really well-written. It was written by a gentleman named Preston Sturgis, who wrote a lot of really well-done comedies of the time in the 1940s that were ahead of their time. Um, And this one is almost in many ways like a precursor to a lot of those Hallmark movies or Lifetime movies that uh, you hear about today where, you know, it's this um, unconventional romance that begins in a small town between these two people. Um, and, and it almost seems to kind of have it, its roots in in this movie. And um, there's a there's a lot of Christmas uh, that's in it, especially in the in the beginning scenes. And uh, man, when I watched it last year, I just happened to find it on Turner Classic Movies. Um, they weren't even sh- they were showing it right before Christmas. So I DVR'd it. And when I watched it, I said, man, I said, this is a really good, solid, well-acted film. And it's a really good Christmas movie, too. So um, I wound up last year talking up Remember the Night uh, quite a bit. So when we were doing this episode, I said, oh, I said, I'm going to break this out and, and see if uh, if anybody's interested. So that's my that's my last pick. You know, you took the words right out of my mouth that it was a precursor to Hallmark and Lifetime. Because as soon as you started describing the plot, I'm like, if this was made now, it would be starring Mario Lopez and Melissa Joan Hart. (laughs) Easily. (laughs) Candace Cameron Bure would be like, ooh, give me that script. I want that. Somebody's got to pick up the slacks and Aunt Becky's in jail. So. (laughs) Yeah, that, that, that was instantly the thought that came into my head when you're describing this plot it was totally my thought watching it last year i'm like man i'm like this is, they even like they're in his car driving up to like his family's farm in the country and the car breaks down you know and they have to try and get the car fixed like a local gas station i'm like this is totally like a hallmark movie this is like you know um what was it the flashpoint for every future hallmark movie ever made i think <laughs> 700 movies and they all have the same five same five central plot points right. <laughs> and <laughs> district attorney takes her home with her for hot christmas just because reasons right <laughs> I, i'm trying to think i think it was she was 
she was going to be out on bail, but they were afraid she was going to flee the city. So he agrees to watch over her. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. But uh, at the same time, it's like also uh, reasons because right. because plot right. because plot <laughs> like, because we need an act too, people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one I don't know if I'm going to try to track down. No offense. <laughs> I'm taking. Like this is like this will be like the first year I'm going to seek out a, a Hallmark Christmas movie. That's only because Bruce Campbell, the man himself, is going to be in one. So That's right. yeah. <laughs> Other than that, I have no idea. I, I, I didn't even track down the Colonel Sanders one. <laughs> <laughs> and Melissa, what are you about your thoughts on uh, Remember the Night? Yeah, definitely uh, very much that that Hallmark kind of um, maybe a little bit less cheesy because I think more so now they're a little bit more over the top with that, but. Um, but I mean, it's it sounds like one of those, you know, sort of old school kind of cute films, you know, like just, you know, kind of the innocent characters and, and things like that. And um, got a little bit of heart to it. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know if it'll be one that I'll I'll check out. But um, but yeah, it, it sounds like, yeah, definitely, you know, maybe it inspired every other uh, Hallmark film. I think so. <laughs> Very much the cookie cutter, you know, oh, car breaks down, this happens, that happens, you know, but then everything else, you know, then at the end, everything's okay. Yeah, uh, they both learn there's more to life than blank, whatever they were doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that would have made it real eerie is she was a small town girl coming, she lives in the big city, coming back to her small town for Christmas. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. She has to work at the family bake shop. And <laughs> All of a sudden, who should happen to walk in but the man of her dreams? That's right. <laughs> Mario Lopez. A.C. <laughs> <laughs> Slater. That's right. His wrestling dreams didn't quite work out. so <laughs> He goes back to his small town to take over to be a family mechanic or whatever i don't watch those movies so i don't know what they, those guys do like they're all ad ad firms or whatever <laughs> great choices so yep so, so that's my five so um i just i went through and picked out five so i guess i i return everybody now to color film and you know <laughs> movies post 1960 so there we go <laughs> so it sounds like Alyssa and i took a different approach to this and took like a, a, a movie, like a more mainstream movie, and turned it into a Christmas film. But I still like Michael's approach here. Yeah. You brought you brought in a lot of like stuff nobody even heard of. Someone tells me I, I want to say I've heard of the Lemon Drop Kid. Though. Every once in a while, it gets it, it gets tossed around, or maybe there's images of it with other Christmas movies because it is Bob Hope dressed as the Sidewalk Santa, you know. It, it, it kind of does sound familiar, but. Like it's somewhere, you know, maybe an article or something, or at some point it was mentioned, but I, I don't, I haven't seen it, but no, I, I definitely want to now. <laughs> maybe but, Michael Lyons posting it for Cheerathon number eleven on the Real Fans page, maybe. <laughs> that, could, that could be. My dad's got a big nerdy brain like I do too. My dad has like a real steel trap for stuff like that too, like us. So yeah, 
Oh, I'll probably go over to my grandfather's house on Christmas Eve one night and he had it on or something one year. That could have been it, too. Yeah, that could be. And that, I mean, I'm surprised I haven't seen it because I'm, I'm a sucker for black and white movies. I absolutely, I love them. I always enjoy them, so. <laughs> if you do and you like comedies, I think it's worth it's worth giving it a shot, especially this time of year. Yeah, definitely. So, Melissa, why don't you... Uh... Go ahead and hit us with what you got. All right. So this is a very different approach <laughs> to to what was brought forth. Um, so, but but I think it's 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 definitely um, like I, I kind of said before um, before we started recording that you know the movie I picked it's it's already kind of a a bit of a bonkers film. But I kind of went, okay, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> and made it Christmas and a little bit extra bonkers. So <laughs> um, uh, the movie that I chose to, that I'm going to, be, that basically I'm transforming into, huh, I'm transforming, oh, that's funny. Anyway. Um, Christmas in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm going to turn into a Christmas film that's not uh, that's not a Christmas film in really any stretch of the imagination, but it could be. Um, I chose the thing, <laughs> and and I've called it. Um, I've actually, I've well, not really changed the name, but I've called it the Christmas thing. Oh, I mean, it, eh, I don't know if it's really that creative, but you know was at the moment <laughs> but anyway it's it's basically um it's kind of like christmas eve and um santa he's flying around like he's kind of doing just a quick sort of like flying around with the reindeer kind of getting you know he's a bit rusty from flying for you know it's been a, a while since he's been flying around so he's practicing and then he notices that um, one of his reindeers kind of off, like not really, not really themselves, not, you know, a bit kind of low in energy. So, okay, maybe, so, you know, whatever it is, it's weird and pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he, it's, it's kind of too far to go back to the North Pole. So he ends up, he sees the, the Antarctic outpost. So, okay, maybe there's somebody there that can help him, that can look at the, the reindeer. So he lands, he, um, you know, connects with the couple people, and they take him to doctor. He tells them about, you know, like, okay, reindeer's kind of off. And this is also after the initial shock of Santa showing up at their outpost. Like, uh, what? <laughs> and so, okay, they take a look. Everything kind of seems okay. So then they, okay, he, he stays overnight, and then that's when shit goes down. Uh, <laughs> um, one of the reindeer just transforms and turns into a creature and ends up infecting all the other reindeer. So then you've got a whole group of reindeer that are infected and are creatures. And so they they aren't sure if this is a virus that, is also can be transmitted like hu to humans or if it's just an animal thing and so they 
kind of test themselves and make sure that, okay, we're not, you know, infected or anything, but they have to get rid of these things. Well, these things, they get loose. So they, <laughs> it's basically one big uh, creature monster battle. And um, it's also, you know, kind of, you know, Santa needs to, because it's getting close to, you know, when he needs to be, you know, delivering gifts and everything. So obviously he doesn't have any reindeer. So, you know, McCready, he's like, well, I'll fly you around and we'll deliver gifts and stuff. So, but they have to battle these reindeer first. And so they do that and they have, they just about get to the, the helicopter to go. And <laughs> Santa almost gets attacked by one of these creatures, but then he turns around with his, flamethrower and he's like yeah fuck you too and they go <laughs> off and then the movie ends yeah. <laughs> and well, that's ho 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 too <laughs> <laughs> so there I have a question uh-huh. can we animate this Rankin and Bass style and have it be oh, like a Rudy yeah, Santa Claus please. I'd Hell watch yes. the heck out of that yeah. <laughs> yes let's do this <laughs> Burlive's uh, snowman up there too, Sam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want him narrating it. That, that'd be cool. Oh, that would be, that'd be great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to see what a stop motion uh, Kurt Russell would look like too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Yukon Cornelius from... Uh, yeah. Earth? Pretty much. Cornelius with a flamethrower. I mean, why not? He already had a gun. <laughs> I give him a flamethrower. Yeah. I'm doing a photo shoot of Yukon Cornelius here soon. I'll see if I can throw a, a flamethrower in the photo shoot now too. <laughs> Only two other people will get it. <laughs> Only Michael and Melissa will get it, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> yeah, see that and be like, ah. <laughs> well, you're off to a good start with the thing because it takes place the first week of winter. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, okay, trying to think about a movie that, you know, we could turn Christmas. And I figured, like, I think you, you definitely need, like, a wintry film like it can't just be like middle of summer kind of thing unless you want you know christmas in july or something right (laughs) but it definitely needed to be you know definitely like seasonally appropriate and so i thought why not the thing can we make this a christmas film like a really bonkers christmas movie um so yeah what was Santa Claus going to be bringing them at the outpost? More booze? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe a uh, maybe a new chess game. <laughs> Since the first one was fried. <laughs> and Michael, your thoughts? Oh, I'd watch that movie. I'd watch it Rankin-Bass style. I'd watch it live action. Um, I love when... Christmas is kind of, you know, um, mashed up with with horror because you don't you don't you know, the two genres don't seem to belong together. So movies like, you know, Krampus or Black Christmas and 
Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's just, you know, it's it's always an interesting um, take on Christmas. And um, I think this would be pretty cool. I mean, set all at the North Pole and what could be better? Like Melissa said, it's winter, so it already feels like Christmas. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But yeah, the Rankin Bass style would be that'd be pretty pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think how many tickets you'd sell in the real fans group alone, because how many people in the real fans group love John Carpenter's a thing? Oh my God, oh my. forget it. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> shut up, yeah. take the money right now. <laughs> I think I just heard Guy and Tim's wallets just hit yeah. the hit their uh, whatever they listen to their podcast on hitting the phones. <laughs> It would be cool to see those Rankin and Bass animation stuff. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of thinking about like what style it would it would be in. I wasn't necessarily kind of thinking like live action, like how obviously you know the thing is. And it's like, would it could it be like animated? And then it's like Rankin and Bass is like, yes, that's that would be absolutely perfect for it. Yeah. <laughs> or or counter thought. It could be the third installment of Kurt Russell's Santa Claus, Santa Christmas Chronicles trilogy. Oh, there man. you go. Yes. And he's very, <laughs> he's very much like Al Pacino in Godfather Three. Once I thought I was up, and they pulled me right back in. <laughs> <laughs> and we answer the lifelong question: Did Keith David also survive the thing? Hmm. Mm. We yeah. bring Keith David in as like an elf or something, and there you go. <laughs> we laying in bed thinking about that tonight now like oh. <laughs> what if yeah. they did this exactly i mean mine is my like you know my idea is kind of a generic so you could totally add to it you know there's so much more you could you could do with it <laughs> They have to bring back Car. They have to get Carpenter to. Since Carpenter didn't do the score for the thing, he'd have to do the score for this. And like, I want to hear what a John Carpenter Christmas score would sound like. Oh my oh, god! Oh yeah. And he loves money, so I'm sure he'd do it. He loves collecting checks and playing video games nowadays. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that would be pretty awesome. Okay, this this needs to happen. How <laughs> do we make this happen? <laughs> I do hope it be tie into the Christmas Chronicles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be those elves are kind of creepy enough to yeah. see them like transforming would be pretty sweet. <laughs> or Kurt Russell could do a dual role. He could play McCready and Santa Claus at the same time. Oh. There you go, yeah. yeah. It's like possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. I just want more Kurt Russell. I know. Well, yeah. come on, who doesn't? Right. <laughs> no, I almost picked another Kurt Russell film myself to turn into a Christmas film. I almost picked uh, Overboard. Okay. Oh, yeah. I couldn't quite think of a, a way to tie that into Christmas, though. Mm. So what was what was your uh film? I picked fairly recent and I went with the 2019 horror comedy film Ready or Not. 
Oh, yeah. I just saw that back in October for the first time. It's so good. It's great. It was great. Yeah. But um, and this was the first film, I think, that well, I think the first film that actually came to mind was John Carpenter's They Live because it, it just walks hand in hand with the commercialism that uh, and capitalism that Carpenter was trying to talk about with that. Yeah. That Christmas kind of just walks hand in hand, you know. Mm-hmm. But then I just ready or not came to mind and I had like a long laundry list of movies in my head, like blues brothers or reservoir dogs. Like I went all over the damn spectrum with this. Wow. <laughs> but, um, I settled on ready or not. And it could easily just be fixed with a Christmas overlay. Um, cause I looked up a lot of information. Now I'm, I went to so many bridal sites doing research for this that I'm afraid that's all that's going to be popping up on all my Facebook ads now is wedding shit. <laughs> but uh, I look up the myths of like people getting married in December. And if you're familiar with the plot of uh, Ready or Not, it's essentially uh, uh, Samara Weaving's Grace marrying into this rich family and she has to survive a game of hide and seek because they're family she's married to essentially made a deal with the devil and that they had to catch her and sacrifice her before sunrise but i thought they could play with all these kind of uh, myths and uh superstitions they have about like uh, getting married in december like that some have said that falling snow on your wedding day is a symbolize of warmth and peace or uh a marriage during heavy snowstorm is considered lucky even mm. though the even though the parties won't be wealthy they will be happy and I thought this was something that could be discussed between uh, Samara Weaving's character, Grace, and Adam Brody's character, her future brother-in-law, Daniel, talking about that kind of stuff. Or back in the 1912, they had this myth or tradition or superstition that married in days of December cheer, love star shines brightest year to year. Hmm. And that's so, so something that, that could be worked in by Annie McDowell's character, Becky, when she's having her little one-on-one with grace before the wedding like i thought if you look at if you leave it just as is if you just take the film and set it at christmas time in this giant mansion up in, in canada throw a christmas backdrop on it and you throw these little superstitions in there it makes the plot of the film so much more ironic that they're taking a twist on that like oh yeah it's good luck to get married when it's snowing and then all of a sudden well now she's got a run for her life in this huge ass mansion from her crazy in-laws that are trying to kill her for some weird sacrifice. But then I started, uh, digging into some of the more pagan and, uh, adaptations we get from Christmas and to add maybe a little twist to the film to make it more than just a Christmas overlay to a traditional movie. And I look up at the Norse mythology of Yule or December, like starting December 21st into January, they would the fathers and sons would bring these logs home and they'd burn them and they'd feast until the logs burned out, mm. which would usually go up into January, like up to 12 days. And I thought, well, in the film, they give her until sunrise to stay hidden before she wins. And I'm like, well, you could throw that aspect in there. Like she has as long as the Yule logs are burning to survive. So it could, so maybe you never known that ticking clock is going to end up. And also thought there's also another wedding tradition too, with the well, people are worried about getting married in the winter time. You have less daylight that could give the family 
more time to hunter before sunrise comes. But I thought if you had threw in the tradition of the Yule log in there that she has in, until the Yule, she has to survive until the Yule log burns out. It give a little, add a little more mystery to like, well, when is this going to come? Because sunrise, okay, you just look at the clock at that point. But Yule, if you have until the Yule log burns out, you never know when it's going to come up. So the family could just start bursting out as a sign as it spontaneously combusting like they do at the end of the film, which is probably one of the best parts of the film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, another thing I saw was like an early 19th century um, during Christmas time. There's a lot of class conflict, which I think does a lot in this film that you see a lot in this film. Like I said, did during Christmas employment was really high and there was rioting by disenchanted classes that occurred during the Christmas season. So you see a lot of that between Grace, who grew up in foster homes, and the Lodomus family. Like, uh, there's a crap ton of names in this movie I'm going to butcher. But Henry Cesarini, who played like the, ma- the patriarch of the family, Tony Lodomas. Like, him and all of his kids, played by like Melanie Scorfano and um, Marco O'Brien, who just and some of their spouses who just love being rich and don't want to go back to that life beforehand, how they just don't want to give this up for anything. I think it played really well into that. And I almost saw uh, Tony's three kids of Dan, Alex and uh, Emily to almost be sort of, for example, if Tony was Scrooge, that Emily, Alex, and um, Daniel could all be representations of the ghosts that Scrooge sees. One representing the Christmas past, one future, and one present. And how you see how this wealth and their determination to catch Grace has an effect on them. Because you see with Adam Brody's character, he ends up helping Grace throughout the film so many times. Because he's just seen the ugly side of his family and just tired of it. That he could have that regret so he could be like a Christmas uh, Christmas past all the regrets that Scrooge saw in his past or whatever mm. he's sick mm-hmm. of it and Alex being the future of the family um, I mean that goes to Christmas future that what he could become if he did stick with the family and they did catch Grace and um, Emily's in the present now she's a representation of what the Lodomas family is is greedy and does not want to give up this wealth for anything and do whatever they want to do because she's a huge party girl that does drugs and she's obviously that one of the comic releases of the film too is oh, she takes out what two of the maids in the film yeah yeah <laughs> and then uh the last thing i thought that i could incorporate with this was some way to Tied into St. Nicholas from 280 AD. And in the original film, um, the Ladomas ancestors make a deal with uh, Mr. LaBelle for this fortune. And I thought, well, St. Nicholas was known, he gave away all of his invested wealth and traveled the countryside helping the poor and the sick. I'm like, well, what if the ancestors of Ladomas family? dated all the way back to the time when St. Nicholas was around and they made a deal with him that they, they will get his invested wealth that he gave away. But if they don't complete this game, then they, then they lose it. So instead of them dying at the end, they lose all the wealth. So they go back to the gutter 
as previous. So if you didn't want that happy ending of, of watching these rich people, greedy rich people get blown up at the end because they didn't catch grace, you could make it a little more tame ending and have them all wind up back in the gutter again just because their ancestors made this deal with St. Nicholas instead. So that was just like some random things I could think of. And uh, like random parts of the film, I thought like seeing that giant mansion with Chris's decorations put up and yeah. having snow in the background, I think would look so beautiful. But there's a scene when Grace gets out of the compound and uh, she steals the car from some uh, random dude. And she had uh, the butler ends up catching her uh, Stevens and he's celebrating by playing uh, was the, 1812 overture yes yeah if i'm not mistaken yeah <laughs> Which, yeah and i thought like well what's some random song you could throw in there that like a random christmas carol you could throw in there and i thought oh holy night by josh groban oh that'd be great because i love that part when she's kicking the crap out of him while the family's watching and uh the car starts flipping around when the song's still playing you hear samara even doing that excellent scream she does throughout the movie sounds like a female tarzan that yell yeah. she does throughout the yeah. whole like so that part in that song where crescendos where groban's hitting his high notes that he does that scene plus you throw the snow in there add add the weather into the how he crashes the car too in the end so those are just some things i did a lot of research on and now i'm gonna have all this wedding stuff pop up in my facebook <laughs> ads but uh, <laughs> I did. I, I did discover this funny thing though. <laughs> reading this one website, apparently, it sent me an article of like winter Australian wedding myths, and apparently one of apparently a myth in Australia is if you have a Christmas time wedding, you have to have a frozen themed wedding. Oh really? Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, Jared, I didn't I think know that I, was a, I didn't know that was a requirement, but <laughs> I think it's good that you're going to have all this wedding stuff coming your way because obviously with your newfound Bob Hope knowledge, um, <laughs> you're going to have no trouble like finding someone who will want to get married immediately. Yeah, and Christmas is uh, three, four weeks away, so See we're going to get cracking now. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's one of our 12 listeners out there, <laughs> I hope they live in Iowa. <laughs> So I, I, that's my film, ready or not. Cool. I, I think it's a great idea. What I love about it too is the family uh, is like they're they're this legacy of board games, right? Like, don't they make board games? Um, yeah. Uh, they're like the Parker Brothers type of uh, family. So I mean, right there, you could work in something about you know as they come into Christmas, like oh, it's been our busy season and we're selling so much of our newest game and you know, you have the whole toy piece of it, too, which I think would be pretty cool. So it's an interesting, interesting fit. I never thought of, but it works really well. Thank mm-hmm. you. It's it's definitely, it's it's not a movie that I've seen, uh, but I, I like how um, you shifted it to Christmas and given it that element. I think that would work very well for the film. I think you'd like Ready or Not. Uh, I know you're kind of hot and cold on the Babysitter films, which it is. And it, it's got its uh, 
similarities, but it's not like a dead on. But it's it's a it's a good horror comedy bounce. It's got a really great cast to it. I think you'd dig it. I'll have to see if I can find it and check it out. It's it's one of the best surprises I've had watching a movie in a long time. I just I happened to watch it during Halloween season. Uh, had heard so much about it, never checked it out, and it was one of those few movies that didn't disappoint from you know all you had heard about it. Mm. And the the daughter I mentioned is uh, Melissa. Since you're a Letterkenny fan like me, she's played by Mrs. McMurray. Oh. <laughs> so she just plays like this coked out druggie and stuff. <laughs> Kills off two of the three uh maids in the house. <laughs> it's pretty great. It, it's really funny when it's trying to be and then it's it's like a really good like the plot itself is like a good plot. It's kind of intense. It is like Samara Weaving running for her life, but it's got some humorous moments in it, too. Yeah, it's very intense. Like, the needle moves back and forth very quickly in that movie. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'll definitely have to check it out, then. Sounds pretty good. But now you're not going to unsee it as a Christmas film now. You're <laughs> 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 singing Josh Groban when she's in the car with the, <laughs> with the <butler. laughs> So that's a good uh, non-traditional choice, I'd say, for Michaels for Christmas and some uh, interesting conversions for Melissa and myself. So, yeah. And and I'll say, you know, I, I realized like I gave kind of a list of, you know, um, movies that aren't Christmas movies, but that have Christmas settings in it. And I took a different approach slash didn't quite understand the assignment. But um now that we've had some conversation, you know, I'll I'll kind of add to what the two of you were saying and say that um, one movie franchise that I always thought it'd be fun to have a Christmas setting in of all movies would be the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, movies. Um, I think it was the 2011 Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger T- Tides. There were scenes in that movie at the beginning, if you remember, where um, Captain Jack Sparrow was in court. And um, he was he was going to be arrested and he escapes and he's on the back of the carriage riding through the streets of London. And I remember seeing I think it was like an art of or making of book and they had conceptual art. And originally those scenes of Captain Jack in London took place in the snow. Um, And I thought to myself, how fun would it be to have like a Pirates of the Caribbean movie start off at Christmas in London where it's snowing and all the decorations are up and then they wind up going out to sea. But, you know, we then, you know, maybe they have some sort of like, you know, Christmas celebration that they're doing on the on the ship. Um, When they get to an island, it's, you know, Christmas in the Caribbean. That would be a fun thing to play up. And I always thought you could bring in some sort of, um, you know, you were talking about the, you know, the kind of myth of the 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 Yule and ready or not and, and kind of the creatures in. Uh, the thing it'd be kind of fun to bring in some sort of like Christmas like Krampus like character that Captain Jack has to battle and again it would be more of like a Christmas overlay like Christmas would be happening in the background but I always thought that would have been kind of cool to start off in London where it's traditionally Christmas and end up with the pirates in the Caribbean where it's it's Christmas but not what we think of 
as Christmas. So I'll I'll toss my my wreath into the ring with that. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> I, I like that idea too, because with on Stranger Tides, you're dealing with Blackbeard and you're dealing with uh, zombies and mermaids and that too. So you could throw something else in there. They're like yeah, make a little more some different creatures to make it a little more custom. You could even throw probably a Krampus in there. Yeah, or maybe there's some sort of like you know, there's Blackbeard has some sort of curse that comes into effect on Christmas Day, or you know you could throw in something about the season in there that kind of uh, would put something into motion. I like that. Yeah, that'd be that would be pretty cool. Yeah, just like I like the whole idea of like the traditional non-traditional Christmas in one movie. Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey Rush already looks like Santa Claus in that film already too. When he's got oh, his, there uh, you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the film where he's sing, yeah, that's the film where he's sailing for uh, the British Royal Navy. So that's right, and he's all kind of decked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know all those later films like the back of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one guy that will defend the fourth and fifth Pirates of the Caribbean films. <laughs> yeah, I like them too. I know the fifth one uh, takes a lot of grief for just kind of taking the a lot of the the narrative or the timeline of the originals and kind of tossing it out the window in a certain respect. They bend it a little bit, I should say, yeah. but I still find it very entertaining. Uh, if anything, I always defend Jeffrey Rush's performance in all five films. Oh, agreed. Yeah. He's just great pretty much in anything he does. Especially Mystery Men. I love him. I was Mystery just Man. about to say that. He was so good in that movie. I'd like to see that be a Christmas movie, too. That'd be a fun Christmas movie, yeah. Because you got your star-studded cast. It takes place in some kind of weird future. Yeah, and isn't it like a fake city? Like they... Uh, uh, Champion City, yeah. Champion City. So to see Champion City all decorated for Christmas, that'd be fun. Yeah, so when the red eye Artie Lang and the red eyes break at the beginning of the old folks' home, they're breaking in a Christmas party. Oh, nice! And they already got red eyes anyway, so they're already sitting. <laughs> 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 but they have to change out how often All Star gets played in that for something else. Oh, that's right. You'd have to have. Um... Hmm. You would have Smash Mouth sing a brand new version of Silver Bells. And when it plays in the movie, people would say, do you know where that song originally came from? They'd say, The Lemon Drop Kid in 1951. And now it's in two movies. <laughs> Brings it all back around. <laughs> I would... I'm now very intrigued about what a ska version of Silver Bells would sound. <laughs> and when I Sounds went very 90s, go back to 2005 when I saw a Smash Mouth in concert, if they played that song, like you know what that's from. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Ever, could I get everybody in the concert to quiet down? I'd like to tell you the history of the song, please. <laughs> Fifteen years before I met my friend Michael Lyons. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the college program somewhere down in florida and your ears tingle somebody's talking about Bob Hope. 
My Bob Hope sense is tingling. <laughs> Meanwhile, poor Jared's like, I tried to get up at this concert and tell everybody about Bob Hope. I got hit in the head with a beer can. What the heck? <laughs> Iowa State Fair, they're not very Bob Hope friendly. <laughs> <laughs> Start throwing all their giant turkey legs and $8 beers at me. <laughs> all fun and games till the corner of the cob start flying at my eye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is fun. I love having Michael on. We need to have it more often than just Christmas. Yeah, no, this is, uh, it's, it's always a lot of fun just chatting with both of you and you're both very generous to say yes go ahead tell your stories talk about whatever you want take us off on tangents we're fine with that so i appreciate you having me on of course and i was going to ask so when you took those christmas ornaments from the video store did you also steal a copy of the movie like you did uh sword in the stone i did not steal sword in the stone i want to be very very (laughs) (laughs) specific you you borrowed it (laughs) i rented it for the evening when i wasn't supposed to and brought it back the next morning. We were not supposed to take home new movies, and I took home a new movie. But I was closing and then opening the next day, so I gave in to peer pressure of my coworker, who said, "Who's going to know?" And I was like, "He's absolutely right." And I was the first one back in the next morning, saying, "I have to put this back. I have to put this back. I have to put this back." <laughs> Unfortunately, disorder has a larger following than our show. <laughs> <laughs> But did you also did you also rent Gremlins without permission the night before and take it back? I you know I I remember watching it in the store definitely because it, like I said I think it came in around Christmas time so we wanted to to show it but the the funny thing was um, working at a video store in the eighties whenever you got the new movie in which was always on Tuesday uh, the owner would say okay now pop that into the VCR and play it because that'll generate some attention around it. Well, it would, but when you get in like Gremlins or Ghostbusters or Back to the Future or Beverly Hills Cop, and you only have so many copies, usually the one that's in the VCR is the last one, and you'd be three quarters of the way through the movie, and someone would say, oh, is that in today? Is Gremlins in? You'd say, yeah, can I rent it? And you'd say, I guess I can give you the copy that's in the VCR. So you'd have to stop it, rewind it, and give it to them. So it was kind of a blessing and a curse to play it because um, it did drum up business, but you usually wound up having to rent the copy that you were watching. You but I showed how them. It ended. I showed them. <laughs> I took home Sword in the Stone. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Wizard fight. <laughs> It was Harry and Voldemort before Harry and Voldemort. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I knew I'd find a way to bring it back to Harry Potter. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Restart the clock. Eight hours and ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, we got time. Let's, start all over again. Let's make every Harry Potter movie a Christmas movie. Here we go. <laughs> oh, I mean, the first one. It kind of is, right? It is. Yeah. So... Okay, now you got to make the rest of them Christmas films. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secret Santas. Oh, nice. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> I 
uh, hair, well, it could be on the Santa theme, I guess, but uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Santa's of Azkaban. <laughs> That's not as good as what I say about Azkaban, but... Okay. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so about, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Eric Carter just ask on the Real Fans group, like, what the deal is with them playing these on... Like, because I think ABC Family or whatever, whoever takes that over now... Free, freeform, I think it's called. Yeah, Freeform. They, yeah. they play all these films around Christmas time, don't they? They do. They play, I think, all the Harry Potter movies, or they did. I don't know now with, like, streaming and the new rights and everything, who who gets to play it now. So just watching them all for the first time recently, I could I could see why. Like, they got kind of like a a warm feeling. Yeah. You get a good Christmas film. Well, until you get to the later films, and it gets a little, a little more dread-filled, but... Mm-hmm. It doesn't what? really doesn't really stop and hit the brakes like Phoebe Cates' character in Gremlins, where just a tonal shift out of nowhere. Man, I think it was Andy posted on. Um, I think he posted it on the Real Fans group. Somebody created a little action figure of her father from the movie. I saw that. Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? How do we get through dark times in our lives by laughing at things? That's right. Yeah. Like that's put, that, put that action figure right next to Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we did. We talked. I talked a little bit about um, just another tangent. Talked a little bit about Shane Black with Lethal Weapon. But um, if you wanted to go down like uh, a rabbit hole of um, action movies set at Christmas, you could just completely. Um, like I think all of almost all of his movies are are set at Christmas and like Iron Man three. Um, I'm trying to think of someone. Didn't he write the, the Did he write the Long Kiss Goodnight? Um, and I also feel like um, was Last Boy Scout around Christmas time. Hmm. Um, I feel like he sets a lot of his kiss. What is it? Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Robert Downey Jr. and um, Yeah. Uh, Val Kilmer, that's a, I believe that's set at Christmas. So um, he definitely, you know, makes every single one of his movies a Christmas movie. Got a favorite holiday. Writes what yeah. he knows. It just, must, it just must be easy for some people, you know, to make it a, such a bright and cheery time of the year to have some, not necessarily dark stuff happen, but to have some of that uh, more edgier stuff to kind of like have a nice uh compare contrast against like a bright cheery background i think yeah and you know it's it's interesting too because when you start thinking of movies like you brought up trading places um shazam from just a couple years ago um even iron man 3 you wonder like why did they why did they decide as Christmas as the backdrop for this? You know, like they they could they could set the movie at any time of the year, um, but uh, it's just kind of an interesting writing exercise to think about 
like why Christmas was chosen as the backdrop for a particular film. I think it's just, it's, it's a different concept, I guess. Like obviously not a Christmas movie isn't a different concept, but just having a, having a non-traditional sort of film, like, like your Iron Man, you know, set at Christmas, it's kind of an interesting take on it, I guess. Like it's something a little bit different. Like you're not traditional um, sort of Christmas film, but like more superhero kind of thing. Or um, you know, it's it's interesting when films explore that. Like they'll add the Christmas elements, or they'll make it a Christmas film, but it's not your traditional kind of heartwarming, fun, cheery film. You know? Yeah. I think it's just something fun to to play with. I think, and maybe they just thought that would be the you know, the, the kind of best thing to go with creatively. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. I think kind of sets it apart a little too, right? Because, um, you know, so many movies might be set in the summertime or just in winter, you know, uh, but to set it against that backdrop, especially, you know, to your point, when it's not something that goes along with Christmas, it helps it stand out a little. Mm Mm-hmm. Same with uh, Batman Returns. Oh, yeah. Batman Returns is like it's like the world of Batman meets the nightmare before Christmas. That movie is just like every frame of that movie is fascinating. And it's done by Tim Burton. Who, yeah. People on this podcast will agree that it's genius. Dude's a genius. Especially when it comes to he's a visual genius. Mm. He, also, he also tackles Christmas, too, with Edward Scissorhands, where it also plays like a minor role. Does Christmas yeah. doesn't take part to like the later last third act of the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's no Bob Hope, but yeah, you know, they didn't, they didn't write, of, any, didn't yeah, write any for of, it. <laughs> he kind of is to visuals what Bob Hope was to silver bells. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to see like a huge spike on all these, like, uh, you know, platforms for podcasts for bob hope just from this this show people are going to be like i don't know what's going on suddenly everybody wants to talk about the tag when i post it (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say i'm gonna when you know i usually do the the postings for all like the the promotional stuff on instagram and twitter it's like i'm gonna do hashtag bob hope (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna call my 24 7 radio station hey do you know why this song was written Sir, just because we're 24-7 Christmas doesn't mean you can call here 24 hours a day, seven days a week, okay? <laughs> listen, listen, put Delilah on. I want to talk to her. <laughs> oh, this has been fun. Michael, we'll definitely have it back way before Christmas, definitely, though. Well, I, I uh, I'll I'll come on anytime. You know that I love uh, talking with you guys and interacting with you, and you're always uh, very supportive of everything that um, you know the the network does. And uh, I love this show. You've done a lot of uh, a lot of fun episodes. I love the Garfield Halloween episode. That was a blast listening to that. So um, I enjoy listening to the show, and it's it's always great to be on. So thank you again. We love having you on. You're welcome back anytime. And we we're all about supporting our podcasting family. And you are definitely part of that. Well, thank you, sir. 
But uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at mlionsfl. Um, I do have a blog, Screensaver, a retro review of TV shows and movies of yesteryear, which is at screensaverblog.blogspot.com. And I write a weekly column now for two websites, Animation Scoop, which is at animationscoop.com, and Cartoon Research, which is at cartoonresearch.com. And two projects that are that I'm working on that are uh, somewhere in the near future. One is uh, I just finished writing my first book, uh, which is called Drawn to Greatness, uh, Disney's Animation Renaissance, which will take a look back at the resurgence in animation um, at the Disney studio in the 90s with movies like Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and Lion King. Uh, and that will be published by Theme Park Press probably sometime next year in 2022. I'll keep everybody updated on that. And um, myself and Scott Hopkins, who a lot of folks know from uh, his guest appearances on their Real Fans uh, holiday episodes and uh, also on Disorder, and he co-hosts um, Why Not Futurama with Andy DiGenova. Scott and I are going to uh, start our own podcast in the new year uh, called From Pencils to Pixels, the Animation Celebration Podcast, where Scott and I will take a look back at some of our favorite animated TV shows, uh, movies, short subjects uh, through the years. Um, Scotty's are a lot more random than mine. Mine kind of stay on the traditional track, and Scotty brings in some shows or movies you may never heard of, but that's that's the fun of the show. And and Jared, you actually inspired the idea for that show because when I was on with both you and Melissa uh, about a year ago at the end, you said, Michael, you should host a, an animation uh, podcast. So um, you kind of planted that seed. And uh, one year later, uh, here we are. So when we get to a point with our podcast, it would be great to have both of you on uh, as guests. Of course, I get an executive producer credit. All right. <laughs> See that? Yeah, absolutely. Shout out for sure. Awesome. And I'm definitely looking forward to both of those projects coming up. because I love hearing Scotty's random selections. And of course, you guys are both just fountains of knowledge. And please tell me, does the forward of your book have a shout out to the great mouse detective being the star of the Disney <laughs> Renaissance? <laughs> If it did, I think um, Andy DiGenova would tear that page out if he saw it in there. <laughs> but The Great Mouse Detective is mentioned uh, in the book. The first chapter is all about the years leading up to uh, the start of the Renaissance, and Great Mouse Detective is mentioned in there for sure. Come with Jeremy Lloyd. I, I do love that film, too. So. <laughs> it you know, it, it definitely was um, the foundation for everything that was to come next. And, you know, if, if a group of artists hadn't kind of broken away from the Black Cauldron and made that, um, you know, and, and Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg at the time were very intrigued by what they saw during the early stages of that film, um, you know, animation may never have continued after that because that definitely laid the groundwork for this new uh, executive leadership coming in saying, hey, there's something to this animation. So, yeah, I, I honestly cannot wait to get that book and read it. And um, also, I'm also looking forward. Do you guys have a Christmas episode coming up here pretty soon of Real Fans? You're... We do, actually. I believe we're going to record later this week. So we have the Christmas special special episode, which is going to be uh, myself and Andy and Scott and Brendan Lowe um, uh, is going to be on as well. And we're going to talk about our 
uh, favorite Christmas commercials. And then we're each going to pick a Christmas special or a Christmas episode of a TV show and talk about that as well. Well, hopefully Andy doesn't steal the Elf Christmas special from you. <laughs> I was so glad. I was so glad he picked that. I was like, oh, Jared brought this up. So we got an Elf holiday holiday episode out there. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, make sure you guys look to that because anything Michael touches is gold, definitely. Especially his articles, too. I love reading his articles. Well, thank you. I think I'm going to have to make you my agent. You're like promoting me like crazy. So I, You'll I appreciate it. You're the silver bells of animation. Right <laughs> hey, you know, when that guy first wrote that article, Bob Hope said, I'm going to sing a song about that. Yeah. <laughs> Always a treat to have you on, Michael. Same here. Thank you both. Uh, Melissa, where can the listeners keep up with you? Uh, they can keep up with me on Instagram at Miss Melissa N25. It's all lowercase, nothing fancy. You can see all uh random nature pics and the elusive is bigfoot selfie and just other randomness that i post on there and i also have a art page uh called scribbles of a wannabe drawer and on there i post all my quirky art that i do so you can follow me there if you want to um jared where can they find you well if you want to look at pictures of my beard or of my cats uh, you can follow me on QCA Mr. J on Twitter and Instagram. I don't put as much of my artwork up online as you do, Melissa. I need to get on to that. Yes, but, you um, do. But, uh, well, I mentioned it briefly in the episode. I, do, I am doing a photo shoot here soon as UConn Cornelius, so you can, that's something to look forward to this Christmas season. Oh, that's season. very fun. Yeah. I got the beard and I got mustache wax, so. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> get the pickaxe um, and the winter hat and you're all set. Would you believe it that the earmuffs were the hardest thing to find for the costume? Oh, no kidding, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Had to go online for those. Wow. But um, as a podcast as a whole, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at QCA under. Uh, oh, what the hell am I doing? We <laughs> changed names. I was singing Silver Bells in my head. <laughs> you know, that was written guys for a movie in 1951. I just wanted to bring <laughs> <laughs> to plant it into my brain i know i'm going to say completely weird and inappropriately too <laughs> but as a podcast as a whole you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram at nerd Night nations podcast and you can send us an email at nerd Night nations podcast at gmail.com and if you want to keep listening to us as a podcast you can find us on our home at podbean um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And be sure to, on any one of those uh, platforms, uh, to uh, give us a, a review. Um, it helps us be a little bit more noticed within the podcast community. And uh, be sure to stay tuned to your podcast feeds, because, Michael, you just mentioned it, how you liked our Garfield Halloween uh, episode we did. Uh, we got another episode like that coming up here with uh, Melissa watching a Muppet Family Christmas for the first time. Oh, very good. I'm interested to hear that. Have you ever seen it, Melissa? I've oh, no, never seen it for even, the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I've never even heard of it. Wow. So this is a purely first time blank slate uh, view. So I'm excited. Well, I'll be listening. Well, we originally called this like Nostalgia Wars, where 
we would each find something that we were nostalgic for growing up. And the other was, well, one of us hadn't seen, but I've seen so many things that Melissa hadn't seen in our <laughs> but nine-year age difference, almost eight, nine-year age difference. And Melissa couldn't think of anything that I might not have seen. So I'm like, have you ever seen a Muppet Family Christmas? <laughs> it's a great choice. Mm-hmm. I could have picked Lemon Drop Kid, too. You could have picked Lemon Drop Kid. <laughs> it's funny you say Nostalgia Wars, where you talk about things that no one else has ever seen. That's like every day of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Every day of my life is nostalgia wars. <laughs> I feel like we would have been best friends back in the day, Mike. Have you ever heard of this? Have you ever heard of this? I know we would have. Uh, we would have had a seven-hour podcast. I'd be down for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as always, thanks for coming on, Michael. It was a blast having you. Thank you both. Appreciate it. Well, here we are in the Christmas season. The world's still a little bit scary out there, but it's getting cheery too with all the lights and the silver bells and the snow will be falling here pretty soon. But uh, always remember the best way to have a good holiday, a happy holiday, is to be excellent to each other. And nerd on, dudes. Silver Bells was written for Bob Hope. See you next time. Thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys.